This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Mark and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor imposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There is no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think that sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism the alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and to admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that is it an allergy of the body coupled by an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having that first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up that first drink that makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise helpless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest, uh, who is with us from Tauranga on Zoom today. Our show is on Zoom. Um, would you like to introduce yourself and give us a sketch of who you are? Okay, thank you, Matt. Uh, kia ora koutou. My name's Ani. I'm an alcoholic. 
uh, live up here in the beautiful Bay of Plenty up in Tauranga Moana. Uh, mai iwi anga tirangi nui te whanau apanui. I am 48. Uh, my day job, I work as a lawyer and also a dream manager, uh, which is quite a fun job. And, um, yeah, I got sober when I was 24 back in August 1999. Could you tell us when you started drinking and how it progressed? Right. Uh, so look, I, I grew up in a home where I was a very loved and middle-class child, but there was drinking and alcoholism was through the family. Um, and so there was always a full liquor cabinet in my house and bottles stashed in the closets and stuff like that, you know. Uh, so I probably started sneaking drinks when I was a teenager, probably about 12, you know, I had a sip of dad shandy, all that kind of thing. But the first time I got drunk, I was 16. It was my mate's birthday party. Her mum had put on a full bar with big bottles of spirits and I just got wasted there. But to to start, like, actually starting drinking was when I left home. So I was, I was um, 18 going on 19. I was off to university. It was the first time I was really let out of the house unsupervised and, and that's when I really started drinking and partying. That was when I went to uni. Did you drink socially, alone? Did you binge drink? Like, what sort of drinking did you get into? Uh, it started out as social drinking. It was very much drinking to overcome shyness and social anxiety. I was, you know, um, I was one of those people that could feel alone in a room full of my mates and feel awkward and not how to know how to make small talk and all that kind of thing. So I really, I started drinking socially and um, and it became binge drinking. Um, and I was the type that could I'd, uh, have a big night, wake up feeling overwhelmed and horrified at what I'd got up to, blacked out. And so I'd stop drinking. And that, that was in my early 20s. You know, I'd stop drinking six months a year, no problem. But sooner or later, I'd be in a social situation. I would feel that anxiety. I'd you know, I'd have that thought of if I just have a drink, my insides will feel like they're outsides. I'll be confident. I'll be able to fit in. And then I would drink again. And it would usually be okay. It would be okay the first few times. But sooner or later, there would be those nights when I couldn't predict what was going to happen. Yeah. What made you realise you needed help? Like, have you lost any employment, had any legal issues? Um. I hadn't actually. I'm, I'm probably what you call a high bottom drunk, is what I the term I learnt when I first got into the rooms. But what inspired me were two things. Um, one was my alcoholic family, who I'd grown up thinking, "You are a bunch of losers. I'm so much better than you. I'm not going to be like you. You're the bane of my life." But the truth was, I could see my aunties and uncles, and they were they were functioning alcoholics. They had jobs. They had unhappy relationships you know <laughs> they had all that stuff but they were just miserable they were just in this rut same old same old having the same fights that had with their family for the last 20 years and I could see I was going to become them if I kept drinking and it was my big goal in life not to be like that the other thing that inspired me was one of my best mates from high school she got into recovery at 21. Her mum had gone off to rehab. She'd got it introduced to 12-step programs. And I just 
I just saw my friend get happy and start coping with life like a growing up. And um, and I just liked being around her, you know. She had that sense of serenity. She was calmer, and I just liked being with her because I didn't have that. And she never said to me, "Hey, honey, hey, girlfriend, I think you better quit. I think you better go to meetings too." You know, she never ever said that. But I could see those two examples of what I didn't want to be, and someone who was very close to me who was getting well, and that's what inspired me. Yeah. Can you describe like physical, mental? unwellness if you had any and if you had a rock bottom you describe that so the physical allergy for me was when I drank and I was off for the night I tended to black out that was happening more and more towards the end of my drinking waking up naked next to people you know not knowing how that had happened um I was full of a lot of shame and anger and self-hatred towards the end of my drinking and that would come out when I drank all the breaks would come off I was angry um, yeah. So for me, it, it was that emotional rock bottom. And, and the last time I drank, you know, I was, I was living in Wellington. It was my first job after university. I'd done my OE. I had a couple of degrees, you know, I wore a suit to work, flash, you know, used to trot my little reports over to the beehive. It was my first job, you know, as a, a bureaucrat in Wellington. And, and I was really watching my drinking, because, you know, I didn't want to play up at work. I, you know, I had to hold it together. And we had the midwinter Christmas party. And I walked into the boardroom and they'd covered the board table in glasses of champagne. And my mind said to me, oh, well, there's no orange juice. I'll just have to drink champagne. And I was standing next to the fridge in the kitchen where they had all the orange juice that I'd been drinking for months and I knew exactly where it was. But my mind told me that. And I, I went drinking that night and all the booze was free. It didn't matter that I was stealing bottles off the table because it was all complimentary. Acted like a lady, got home, it was fine. But I woke up that morning, the next morning, panicked and freaking out like all the other nights where things had gone really badly, you know, and... um. And I'd been going to Al-Anon for a couple of months before that. I'd got a little bit of recovery, and I just knew that morning that was my rock bottom. I knew I was an alcoholic, and there was like the rest of my family, and and I had to go to AA meeting that morning. Can you describe to us and tell us about your first AA meeting? Um, yeah, I loved my first AA meeting. Looking back on it, it was so great. I um, it was a Sunday morning trades hall meeting in Vivian Street in Wellington. And back then, 24 years ago, it was like the red light district of Wellington. It's all been gentrified now. But it was this dodgy little wooden panelled room and they had felt over the table and it was full of street people and it was just like, oh, my God, I knew it would be like that. I knew AA would be like that. What does my life come to? Um, and what happened for me was... Whenever people started cheering, and it was as if that person was my brother or sister, I totally identified and related to what they were saying. And they came around to me and asked, you know, do you want to share? And I, I said, you know, hi, my name's Ani. I think I'm an alcoholic. Burst into tears, told them I just hated alcoholics. I couldn't believe I'd ended up in AA, you know. And they just laughed and they went, oh, yeah, we all felt like that too. It's all fine. You just keep coming back. 
And uh, I just knew I knew I I knew I was in the right place and I was not happy about it. I was way too young and way too cool to be an AA. You know, I was very angry that I'd ended up there. But I I heard someone say in my first meeting, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that is how I felt. You know, I just felt like I was a shell and um and I had been pretending for so long. And if people really knew me, they wouldn't like me, you know. And um, I just knew I was in the right place. Yeah. Thank you so much. Can you tell us about how you've managed to stay sober um, and challenges you've had in recovery? Um, I don't know how I've managed to stay sober. I just have, you know. Um, we, some people can't. Some people do, and some don't. And, and either journey is actually okay, in, in my view. I was one of the ones that I came in, and from my first meeting, I haven't had a drink again. I definitely had the the gift of desperation and I had the gift of being a, a people pleaser. <laughs> so people will go, if you need a sponsor, come and see the chair of this meeting and we will allocate you a temporary sponsor. And so I went up and got myself a temporary sponsor, right? And um, I got into working the steps pretty early in my first year of recovery. I found the big book incredibly boring and very hard to read. But there was this weekend in Wellington where they were listening to the Joe and Charlie tapes doing the step study. So I went along to that and that really opened up the big book for me. Um, The truth is I think my driven, perfectionist, alcoholic personality and all the pain that it caused me and the anxiety and overthinking drove me to want to get better. And so I would go to meetings, I'd I'd work a step, I'd feel good, and then I'd kind of drift off a little and cruise, and and then the emotional pain would kick in, and then I'd I'd do another step. And and that pain has always brought me back to meetings where I needed somewhere to go, when I was isolating, where I was lonely, when I was freaking out at life. And, And slowly, slowly, AA has done for me what alcohol used to do quickly, that relief from that anxiety and fear has come over the years, you know, and and I still go to meetings and I go to contribute and, and give to others, but I go for myself, absolutely, because I feel that sense of peace and calm afterwards and my perspective gets rearranged after okay. a meeting. Could you describe to us how your life has changed inside and also on the outside, like family, employment and all that? Okay. The biggest changes actually are on the inside because I got here professionally qualified, you know, all that stuff. That hasn't changed. The changes are I'm no longer so anguished about my family and how I'm never going to get over this pain that they cause me and how to deal with them and the pain of my childhood. All of that has faded away. My tendency to people please and abandon myself has faded away. And if when it comes back, I go, oh, oh, had a bit of a relapse, you know. So I've been given those tools. You know, I had my children in sobriety and I thought, oh, I'm going to be a perfect mother now because I'm sober and I've got a a program and it'll be all great. And I have not been a perfect mother (laughs) at all. But 
I look at my teenage daughters, you know, they're nearly 16 years old and they have so many more tools than I grew up with as a kid. You know, my family gave me many strengths and many gifts, but they gave me all the issues I had to deal with too. My big challenges came through that. And my kids know how to express an opinion. They know how to work through emotions. They have emotional intelligence. They have a lot of tools. They know what healthy boundaries are, you know, and people-pleasing and all these things that I, I learned about in my 20s, 30s, 40s. They've learnt about throughout their childhood and have had to apply in their teens. So, yeah, those have been some of the great um, changes. Yeah. Thank you. AA is described as a spiritual program, not a religious program. What does spirituality mean for you? Yeah. Um, when, I, when I came into AA, I, I would describe that I probably had quite a bit of spiritual arrogance. Uh, I came in because I'm Māori, you know, I'm so spiritual. You know, you white folk, you just don't understand how spiritual I am. You know, that was my attitude. Like, oh, I'm fine. And yet the truth was I came in feeling like I believe, I believe, I believe in this. You know, I'd gone to Anglican Māori church with my nan as a kid and I had an idea of spirituality, but I didn't feel like that higher power was working in my life because I was a bad girl. And I wasn't worthy. That's how I felt and what I believed. So I really had to create a list of what my higher power was now. You know, what's my, in my wildest dreams, what would my higher power be? And and I had a list and I was like, as a Santa Claus, like gives me lots of presents, um, has a sense of humour, doesn't give me hard lessons to learn, loves me unconditionally. And I thought, oh, God, I think I'm getting a bit better because I put sense of humour in there because I was just so serious, you know. And my my idea of a higher power has shifted and changed as I have grown and changed over the years. I don't really know what it is, but I believe now I have that sense of faith, but it's taken a long time to trust, you know. my I believed, but I didn't trust. I thought, oh, you know, is this invisible friend really going to keep a roof over my table and my kids alive? And, you know, and so it's been a very hard and long road for me to slowly, slowly let go of the illusion of control and and realise my choice right now, because I've been trying to control things and I've been thinking about it and focusing on it so long. My choice right in this moment is have a nervous breakdown because I'm so worn out and stressed for trying to control this issue or trust that my higher power is going to look after me and let go, you know, and those have been my emotional rock bottoms throughout my years in AA is when I've come to those places where I've, I've had to realize, Oh, I think if I think about it enough and focus on it enough, I can change it. I've got that belief system. And I know it's not logical, but right here in this moment, if I keep doing that, I'm gonna I'm gonna snap. And I can't afford to do that. I've got kids to look after. And so yeah, my sense of the Hawaiirua, Atua, God, whatever I call it, has been basically the scientific definition, you know. So the, the one of the definitions I heard a speaker say in AA, one of the definitions of faith in the dictionary is knowledge based on experience. I try something new, it works, 
So I've knowledge based on that experience that it works. I have faith. And that's what I've had to do just over and over again. Let go, pray for help, ask for help, trust it's going to be okay over and over again. And it's all worked out. And so now I have faith because I've got the knowledge based on that experience that it works. And I also know my old ways of trying to control and freak out and, and make things happen do not work and just make me unwell. What would you suggest to any listeners who may have a drinking problem? Uh, look, only you know if you're an alcoholic or not, and it's something you know in your heart. Like, in my denial before I came to AA was just so strong, and I think it is, str- is strong in all of us. Like, I used to say things like, I'd rather have cancer than being an alcoholic. I'd rather have AIDS than be an alcoholic. And I used to mean that. You know, I look back on now and think that's just so ridiculous, but that's how I felt. I felt so ashamed of ever having to be there. And then when it changed and I realised it was me too, I was forever changed. So, you know, my best friend said to me, look, what do you got to lose, honey? What do you got to lose going to an AA meeting and check it out? And she was right. I had nothing to lose. So I went along and I felt it. And... um we all, we all have to find that for ourselves. I think if you have a drinking issue and you know it's a problem and you're worried about it, you got nothing to lose by going and checking out an AA meeting and seeing if, you know, if it resonates with you, if that's the path for you. Well, thank you, Arnie. Um, thank you for spending time with us and coming on the show and sharing your story with us. For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some advice or information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts on our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to our podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God... Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.